You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hockey fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has a no-brainer offer that'll make you a winner once any shot gets past the goalie. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. The NHL got rid of ties in 2005, so you know someone's got to light the lamp. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, no worries. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and a $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the 4th Line Boys Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 172 of the Big Show Cement Forcer Base Podcast and coming at you brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Easy like Sunday morning or whenever you happen to be tuning in. I think actually a lot of people tune in uh, Monday morning on their commute. So back at her, folks. We're back to the grind. Start your work week off on a hot note. Well, kids, what are we going to talk about here today? Well, um, I will bring up uh, so, oh, I, uh, the, I, I call it the, the Danbury effect. I had an interesting conversation um, with a friend of mine on Twitter in private message the other day. Um, I won't throw who out, whose name it was. I don't know if he wants his business exposed out there, so I won't do that to him. But we had a conversation about it, and it was... Uh, 
it was interesting because I had kind of thought about it and then, but never said it out loud that he said it. And it was like, yeah, exactly. You know, and, uh, I'll talk about that and, uh, players being too friendly, stuff like that. And another top 10. It's kind of getting, is it redundant now, folks? I mean, every episode we're doing top 10s now. I don't know. Obviously, you guys really enjoy lists. I think I'm the one that actually loves the lists. Maybe I do because it's kind of easy content. But uh, Ottawa Senators top 10 list was sent to me actually just last night. So we will see how it is. Like I always say with these lists, I, I sometimes hope they're kind of shitty because I do, you know, because it's more fun to like take the shit out of them, right? So well, we'll see. But um, yeah, guys, I hope everybody's doing well out there. Um, yeah, well, I'll do the sponsors here. Like I said, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows in the network. All the NHL teams are represented. So whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. Of course, the league's back at her hot and heavy. So I was just, right before I got going here, I saw uh, just kind of scrolling through Twitter because I just wanted to double check that private message, that conversation that we had just so I could remember some of the details. But uh, I see a Vander Kane was outright released by San Jose. Man, talk about pissing away a career. I mean, I'm sure somebody, well, I mean, at this point, does someone pick him up? Yeah, probably. But, I mean, you're you're in debt up to your tits. You're, what is it, would he hand in at the start of the year? Like, would a, a, was he initially suspended for, what, a fake COVID certificate or something? And then he had the divorce and the ex-wife slagging him all over social media and, casino creditors after him and oh man i mean you know we create our own drama sometimes and i mean and ever since he's been in junior dramas followed that guy i mean you know whatever i mean i don't know him personally obviously but and i mean and i'm and obviously i'm not going to take everything that's out there at face value but i mean i know some of the stories from reliable sources so i know they're true but uh yeah but I mean, you know, and a lot of that shit, I mean, divorce is one that, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, shit happens, you, you know, you can marry idiots and, you know, this, it's not like he's, I don't want to say he's either the, the, uh, you know, the good guy or the bad guy and all this at the end of the day and a divorce, I don't think anyone really wins, but, um, you know, and, and sometimes you just marry complete psychos, which is, you know, that could definitely happen, but, uh. Yeah, but you kind of go through that shit. Then he's, like I said, when you're bankrupt and everything else, and uh, obviously a lot of bad choices. And um, yeah, but but but, I mean, what a talent, though. You know, unbelievable. If you could just, you know, you just want to sometimes, you know, you just want to grab these guys by the fucking side of the by the ears and just be just like wake up, you know, shake them, like clue in, man. You know, but you know, there's been been a million athletes that had all the, you know. Uh, you know, million dollar skills and five cent heads, right? I mean, that's been forever more. And yeah, there's been a million before him and there'll be a million after him that are like that. So, but yeah, frustrating. But uh, yeah, no, what was I saying? I'm a squirrel, you know, just rambling. Um, it was funny. I was texting Alex today and uh, I, I was just like, Outside of this list, dude, I'm like, I, I really have nothing to talk about. Um, I am trying to set up, uh, that's what I was doing this morning, trying to set up a recording time with a character. 
Um, I really want to start getting back into the interviews for you guys. I know you guys are getting tired of just listening to me for the last, like, really two months. Um, I know I talked about it last episode. Um, you know, as, as, as much as I like the interviews and everything else, this has been a welcome break to just do this. And, uh, and I, and I appreciate the patience. I know I've gotten a few messages from guys like, come on, dude, you know, let's like, let's get some interviews or something. You know, I get it. I get it. Um, you know, and they're coming. I just, uh, you know, got to work out some times and, uh, but I have, but I'm just letting you guys know, like I said, I have been talking to people, so there'll be something coming. We just got to straighten out some times. So, um, but yeah, let's get back. Let's get into today. Um, uh, well, I, there, here, I started the sponsors and I cut myself off. Jesus. Yeah. Um, while well, we did the, obviously the hockey podcast network. Well, speaking of the aforementioned Alec, the five for fighting podcast, you know, part-time only mud show only. Yeah. He, uh, he actually really, he was always oh, getting real fancy technical guy. Now he doesn't, he does the audio and video version of his show. So he actually just did a top five. Well, this is really funny. Actually, he did a top five up to this, like whatever, 2021, um, East coast hockey league fights. And, uh, he did the video as well as obviously the audio part he put up for his podcast as well. But you could go on to his five for fighting YouTube channel and, um, you know, get the visual of his show as well. You know, him sitting there and then with the fights and stuff. I've only listened to the audio part. I listened to it in the truck the other day. So, I mean, it's kind of tough to get into like the fights and audio, right? I mean, it's like, Oh, I'll be like, yeah, I guess it's like listen to the radio. Well, I always call podcast pretend radio anyway. So, I mean, in that sense, I mean, okay. I mean, I've listened to a million radio games before, but, uh, yeah. So obviously the YouTube channel would be more useful to view the actual fights as Alec talks about them. But, um, uh, but it was his, it was his podcast, but also on YouTube. And, uh, he had, he had posted it and some guy replies, too much talking. I'm like, that's a fucking podcast. Like, <laughs> all these people. Oh, I'm going to get into the friggin' Facebook here in a second. Um, that is my, yeah, that actually, yeah, okay. Anyway, yeah, so, yeah, so Alec, you're doing too much talking on your podcast. So I replied to the guy, well, it's a podcast, pinhead. And I'm like, and clearly you've never listened to my show. If you think Alec does too much talking, holy shit. Yeah. Um, you know, I could talk the ears off a of brass monkey. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, but I was thinking, um, my wife has actually told me a bunch of times, uh, way back when, when I first got into podcasting, my first like three episodes I ever recorded, I put up on YouTube. And actually, I think Alec always says that's how he found out about my show. And then, uh, my YouTube channel got messed up for some reason and I couldn't upload anymore. So, but I still was doing my podcast, but I couldn't like upload my videos or anything. Like not even my fight videos. I can't remember what was wrong with it. Um, but I try, I tried YouTube like, help desk and because at that point I was getting kind of a you know I think I had about a couple thousand uh, thousand subscribers and it was like okay why can't I upload videos anymore right like what's going on like I thought they froze my no there's nothing wrong with your account and I'm like well they're clearly like I thought it was YouTube that did it and I'm like well clearly there is I can't upload anything and they're like I don't know I mean they're useful as whatever right so I can't remember what happened I think I found some I found some you know, uh, back room friggin' message board that was, somebody had brought up the topic and they're like, oh, you just do this, this, and it was something in my settings. 
that, oh my god, it's not like I ever, I, they just, oh, it's sometimes it, it like default switches back, and I'm like, what? So I'm like, I never went into my settings, so, okay, so I go into my settings, oh yeah, I flipped like two things, and oh, boom. I'm like, really? I sat here for like seven months not being able to upload anything, and all I had to do was go to the settings, and it's flip something. Oh, computers, man, computers, I'm telling you. But anyway, um... Uh, but I never, I, I never uh, put my episodes back up on YouTube after that. You know, I just, whatever. But uh, I think I might start doing that. I mean, everybody listening now doesn't, yeah, I mean, obviously you guys don't give a shit. You're listening to it on whatever platform you listen to it on. But uh, I don't know. I, I think it maybe just something to add to you, my YouTube channel. Like I said, I want to kind of grow the YouTube channel a bit, you know, and start doing a little more on that. Not just uploading fight videos, but... I have some other things, like some projects that I'd like to do. I know I keep saying that, but it's like, where do you, you know, got to find time to do it too. Um, well, that and, and be, well, that's step one is finding the time, but two, also like <laughs> learn, let's be completely honest, learn how to do it as I'm, uh, you know, basically uh, tech, tech challenge. So it's more like, oh, can I talk? Actually, I should have done it when my wife was on break. Cause then, you know, she was like all relaxed and didn't give a shit. No, yeah, sure. I'll do that. Like I said, I got her to sort cards for hockey cards for like two straight days. I mean, I, I'm sure I could have got her to teach me how to film something and upload it and edit it onto, onto YouTube. So, uh, but yeah, once school starts back up, oh yeah, I'm not asking for any help. Shit. Are you kidding me? Computer will get thrown out the window, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, I'll figure something out here. But anyway. Alec, that was his latest episode of the top five East Coast League fights, but he's got a tremendous back catalog, Segroy, Bialois, Rob Ray, on and on. Definitely give him a look. Part-time Oli there, five for fighting. Yeah, he just signed up with the, uh, I believe, six-pack coverage uh, network, so it was good to see him, uh, you know, get a deal and uh, sign on the sign with them, and uh, hopefully they take care of him and he can you know, start making a few bucks, and uh, that'd be pretty cool. And, uh, you know, I should have, I, I know I talked about it before, but, uh, I just wanted to say again that congratulations for getting on the, uh, on the network. That's cool. Um, and then of course I got Broadway, Joe Lazito, Lazito out there on, uh, out at MSG, the world famous arena. He's working down there hard in New York city. Yeah. Hardest working man in show business. Jolton, Joe Lazito, the behind the scenes. You need some uh, tickets. Like I said, you need some tickets to the Nutcracker Suite. Well, I guess that's kind of over now that Christmas is over. So I don't know. What do we got now? The New Year Follies. Maybe the Harlem Globetrotters. The circus might be in town. Go talk to Joe. Joe knows. No, he does the Coliseum Chronicles podcast. It's a New York Islander enforcer-based podcast. He's had everything, everybody on from Fakoda to Bolton to Strudwig. You name it. Joe's had him on and, uh, with, with work right now, I obviously, uh, he, no, I, I mean, everybody laughs, but no, he legit works at Madison square garden. So in the ticket with thing there. So I'm sure there's, it's MSG. There's a million shows going on between hockey games and everything else. I'm sure that stadium's going 24 seven. So, um, you know, Joe's been real busy at work. So, um, I know he hasn't been able to uh, podcast quite as much as he'd like, so, uh, you know, he certainly hasn't retired or quit or anything. Uh, I mean, some people have suggested he take two weeks off and then quit, but I wasn't one of those people. I'm just saying. Um, but, uh, no, Joe will, uh, Joe will be back at her and, uh, 
you know, maybe Joe should, uh, you know, he, he could start at like what Alec is doing with the video show. You figure out how to do that and you could sit there and, you know, Joe could show off his, uh, New York Islander jersey collection. You know, here's his Dick Tarnstrom and his, uh, his, uh, Kavasha and, you know, all those, his, uh, number one Wang shirt, you know, all those cool hockey jerseys that he had. That'd be interesting, kind of like a video tour kind of thing. I don't know, Joe, I'm giving you, look at all these great ideas I'm giving you. Just something to think about. Food for thought. But there you go, New York Islanders. Coliseum Chronicles, Joel, Joel Azito. Check out his, uh, if you haven't found a new episode, definitely check out his back catalog. Like I said, good stuff. And like I said, Joe's, Joe's uh, plenty of knowledge, been around for a long time, and uh, always a fun listen. But uh, all right, gang. Um, first things first, at the top of the show, I'm going to, you know, I know we, we, uh, we joke around and laugh and have some, have some shits and giggles here and everything with our lists and all that stuff. But, um, the one, oh, I won't get too serious on you, but it was, uh, I mean, I guess, I guess if you kind of viewed it on the surf, like I'm just kind of just rolling my eyes with it and stuff, but on, on some respects it's a little, it's, well, not a little, it's a lot creepy, but, um, you know, not that I'm worried about it or anything, but it's just kind of, <clears throat> all right. Um, as I said, I'm a, with these Facebook groups, I know Alec, well, that was the other thing that Alec has started, uh, well, a couple years back was the Enforcer Appreciation Group on Facebook. Basically, it's the fight message boards, but I mean, I don't have to explain Facebook groups to you guys listening. I'm sure most of you are either, probably the major, I would say the majority of people have a Facebook account or had one at one time that are listening to this show. So you're well aware of Facebook groups. Plus, I advertise in all the Facebook groups, so I'm sure some of you, obviously most of you listening are from there. Anyway, point being, um, uh, in these groups, you have administrators. And uh, way back when, Alec, when I joined, Alec made me an administrator in his group. And Clint has made me an administrator in the Hockey Fights and Brawls page. He asked me, um, not that I don't know Clint personally, but I was a member of his group, and you know, because I would, you know, let's be honest, I was using it to, I put pictures and everything up too, but I, it is a great place, you know, if you're going to advertise a hockey fight podcast, a hockey fight group on Facebook is kind of a good place to post it, um, which is what I do. And uh, I get Clint just at one day, a while back, asked me if I wanted to be an admin, yeah, okay, fine, I'll help you out. And uh, plus, I have no problem, like, deleting idiots out of Facebook groups. Um, you know, I just, no one, like I've, I've mentioned it a million times on here, so I won't go on and on, but I have no time for stupidity. If you're going to talk stupid, you're out. And I've made this quite clear on numerous occasions to the people in the group. I've made posts about it. Um, I have no problem with being discussions, no problem with disagreements. Oh, I think he's better. I disagree. Well, I think he won. No, he won. That's all whatever. But once you start name calling or just making ridiculous claims when you're clearly trolling or anything like stupid, I don't have time for that and I'll delete you. Which is what I did this morning to a guy with Ryan Reeves. He had put it up. Clearly he didn't like Ryan Reeves. That's fine. I don't care if you like Ryan Reeves or not. It doesn't matter to me. And it was a fight with Derek Dorsett. You know, some nothing fight, whatever, but... He puts, he posts the video and of course then he claims, oh yeah, here's Reeves getting absolutely pummeled by the smaller man. Good job, Revo, or whatever he put. And it was, and it was, so it's just clearly instigating bullshit. 
So you go and read the comments and people are just kind of arguing. And I just replied, I'm like, why do some people have to be, or I put in brackets, uh, destroyed question mark. Why I said, why do people have to be delusional in these groups? So then he comes back with, oh, your typical admin ass hat or whatever. He's mouthing off. And it's a little like, oh yeah, okay. And then a bunch of other people type back to him like, this is, what are you talking about destroyed? This is a nothing fight, blah, blah, blah. You know, and then he's replying to it all. And, oh, yeah, you're just a Reeves fanboy and all that. Like, just just being stupid. Somebody said something. Well, then out come the, the, the homophobe, you know, the gay slur. And go back to your boyfriend or suck your boyfriend or whatever. Some stupid bullshit. So it was like, yeah, you're done. So I deleted the thread, the entire thread, and I booted him out of the group. I'm like, you're you're an idiot. Like, beat it. Well, two minutes later, who's sending me a private... Like, I'm not friends with this person or whatever. But my fourth-line voice Facebook account is public. Because I want people to see the... Po- like, the... the My pictures and my videos but and the podcast. Is what the point of my Facebook group was. Again, another shining example of why I don't have my real name attached to this. Because of stupid shit like this. Well, I work, but... Work was the main one initially because we're not really supposed to be on social media and it's kind of like, yeah, don't do that shit and whatever. Um, public servant shit, you know, but it's right in our orientation. I mean, not when I started, it wasn't in my orientation. Social media wasn't even around when I started, but with the new people, they've done it and they've had to fire guys over Facebook shit and whatever. So I've always, like, I've kind of, I've asked the union a couple times. Because I've had this question before, and I've mentioned it way back when, but I don't know for the newer listeners if you even care. But I'm going to, you know, I was I was told to not really go on social media, blah blah blah. And I kind of mentioned to our, but I'm doing this podcast, and I'm I'm just not down with the government or any of this radical podcasting shit. I'm not some conspiracy theory thing or whatever. It's just a hockey fight podcast. And he's just like, yeah, you know, whatever, but just kind of keep it on the down low. So that's why I know I've had people ask me. That's why I don't really attach my personal business to this podcast. I mean, the people that want it, there are people, it's not like I'm using, Darren is my real name, but it's like, I I don't, I hide it a little bit, but those that need to know, know who I am. They know my full name, whatever. I'm not completely hiding it, but there's also reasons why I don't attach my whole name to this show or to my Facebook group or Facebook profile, pardon me. Anyway, well, and today's a perfect example of it. Well, I mean, there's so many goofs out there. But the moment I fucking delete this guy out of the group or whatever, two minutes later, guess who's sending me a private message? Oh, you can't handle the truth, eh? Jerk off or whatever and and all that. And I just said, like, really? I just replied, stalker much? Like, okay, well, first of all, yeah, I did erase, but I'm like, there's like 15 administrators. So what did you send them all? You know, messages. But it was like, he goes, oh, so you you banned me from the group because Reeves lost the fight. See, this is how stupid some of these idiots are. No, I didn't ban you from the group because you posted a video of Reeves losing, you moron. No, you got banned because you ran your mouth, you were calling people names, and using, and using a, a gay slurs. That's why you got kicked out, you fucking idiot. Like that's how stupid these people are, and then and then you got to stalk me online with private messages, like really, really, Mike. 
you tool. And the sad thing is, I'd like to say that's the first time this has ever happened. But no, it's actually happened like four or five times. Two of them, I don't even know what they're sending me messages for because it wasn't me that kicked them out. But whatever. I'm sure they must have sent it to all the administrators, I guess. But really? Like, this is the creepy shit that, like, I mean, I'm like, am I scared this guy's going to come to my house and find... No. And like I said, looking at this guy's profile picture, I mean, other than a weapon, I'm, you know, not that I'm Tony Twist, but I'm pretty sure old Mikey there couldn't whip cream with an outboard motor, so I'm really not too, I'm not too uh, paranoid if he shows up on my driveway. You know, actually, if he does, he can grab a shovel and shovel it, you jerk off. But it's like, but in all seriousness, though, it's like, how, like, how creepy is that? And, and these are supposed, like, this isn't a 16-year-old. Like, this is a 40-some-year-old man doing this and can't possibly fathom why he got kicked out of a fight group despite just running his mouth. And then when he does, he's got to, like, send messages to people. Like, it's... uh, I, I mean, not anymore, but it's like just the stupidity of social media is just never fails to astound me. Like, again, these are supposed to, and again with these fight groups, these are supposed to be grown adults. Like, I expect this shit out of, like, 15, 16-year-olds because they're idiots. But, like, when you're 30, 40, 50 years old and someone doesn't like your favoritist, you feel the need to name call, like, playground insults and send private messages threatening people or talking shit to them on a keyboard. Like, you know how pathetic that is? Or just troll and just instigate shit. Like, you have nothing better to do with your free time than to post videos on a Facebook group to troll people. Like, get a life. Really? This is what it's come down to it for you? You sit in your basement and troll online fight groups? Like, uh, okay. But it's just like, what are we doing? Anyway... Yeah, that was my morning. Yeah, clearing out, uh, you know, and it's not like I'm getting paid and shit for this. It's like the only reason I'm sticking around. Well, and that's the other thing. And then people go, oh, why do you kick them out? Why do you have to do that? Why do you have to do this? Because Facebook will give the groups, like Facebook itself will give the group strikes for certain vault language, uh, bullying or online harassment, blah, blah, blah. When it falls into their algorithm, they'll come down and they'll, they put a strike against the group. And if it's not dealt with, they'll shut the whole group down. And it's like you try to tell these idiots that. Like there's 15, well, I think that group's got 50,000 members. Granted, I'm sure 40,000 of them are non-active. But 50,000 members. Anyway, there's a ton of members that, that can go there. They enjoy going there to unwind and share pictures and videos and have a good discussion. And that's cool. You share your collection, your jersey collection. Oh, look at the hockey card I just got. Check out this picture. This is a rare picture of a fight. Then, oh, I didn't even know he played for that team. Shit like that. That's cool shit. Those are hobby people. That's Those are the people I like to talk with. And, yeah. So they should miss out because this fucking idiot decides that he wants to, like, fucking start name-calling because somebody likes Ryan Reeves or something. And then, so the whole group gets shut down. So like I said, when you start removing these people or you start shutting threads down and stuff and you get all these people talk, oh yeah, this is a fight group, isn't that the point? 
what I don't under what's that mean? What's the point? It's because because it's a fight group that we should just allow any kind of language to go on and everyone talks stupid and and talk tough behind a keyboard like that. We should just let that happen. Okay, so how many times do we need to explain it to you mental midgets? They'll just shut the whole group down. Then where are you going to go? Like, that's the thing. Like, I was talking to Alec about it. And it's like, yeah, like, there's been a lot. Like, Alec himself has put in a lot of work into this group. Like, you don't just start the group and, oh, right away, I have 10,000 members and let's go. Like, no, when you first started the group, there's like, you know, seven people, you know, one guy posting all the pictures and two guys commenting and five guys not saying anything, you know, for the longest time. But then it slowly gets around, blah, blah, blah. And like Alex and Forrester Group's got like 15,000 members now. But that took about four years or whatever to grow that much. So it takes a while and it's a, and it's a fun play. And like I said, for a podcaster like myself with the content that I'm creating, I need these places. They're like a billboard for me. So, and for Alec and for Joe, you know, and, and a bunch of the podcasts. So yeah, these are my advertising vehicles. So no, I don't want them shut down because some moron can't be an adult about things. And they'll just let us say what we want, man. Freedoms. Shut up. It's not freedoms. Firstly, it's a private company, you moron. You can, like, figure it out. Of course, these are the same bozos that yell about freedoms about everything. I don't quite understand what's going on. But, why? Just, <laughs> why? I, I guess... I don't know. I just, I guess that's just the climate today. The society is just, it, we live in the stupidest time with the stupidest people. And you just try and it's just, it's just so, fr- it can, I, oh, I can't explain the frustration sometimes. Anyway, sorry to bother you with all that folks. But yeah, so I had my little stalker moment this morning and it just gets, it just gets tiresome. But at the same time, there's like, when you first see it pop up, I'm like, what is this? And I'm like, oh, this fucking, it, really? This guy? And it kind of, I will say, it, not, not that I'm scared or anything, but it kind of, it's kind of a freak out moment at first. I'm like, what the fuck? You know, and like I said, this has happened before. This guy really didn't say too much, but I had one guy go off on me one time and, oh, I'd kick your ass if I ever saw, like, really, dude? Like, you know, all right, you know. I'm, I'm, hold on, give me a sec before I'll start shaking in a minute. But it's just like, when you first get that initial thing, your first is like, seriously? Like, like I said, it's a little stalkerish. Like, well, not a little, it is stalkerish. And it's like, I couldn't imagine, like, well, I'm not trying to compare it to women or whatever, but it's just like, like these people that have like real life stalkers and shit, I couldn't imagine anything more horrible. Like, Everywhere you go, like, like really, and they're like leaving notes in your car or in your house or whatever. Like, that's some freaky shit. Like, this is just some anonymous Facebook bullshit. I mean, he doesn't know who I am or whatever. But I mean, but you know what I'm saying? It's just like, what a, I just got to think, cause like, you know, you watch those true crime stories or whatever. It's just like, but now you, you kind of, on a, on a very low key level, but it's like, you see how it kind of starts and it's just like, holy shit, you know? But anyway. So my, if you, I mean, I clearly, you know, I have a podcast. So, hey, pinhead, if you're listening, get a life, dude, really. And clue in, think about, think about things. Idiot. This is embarrassing.
you know. And hey, I had one guy, I'm like one he was talking stupid on the board, whatever, saying stupid shit, and I kicked him out. And uh he same thing, sent me a private message. And uh But he was actually I mean it was still a little kind of it was a little stalkerish and whatever, but he disagreed with it, but he was kind of explaining to me why and and we actually had a sort of a civil discussion after I explained to him how stalkerish this is. And whatever. I actually let him back into the group. And he's been fine ever since. And that was like six months ago. But I think he needed a bit of a friggin' wake-up call. But it's like, if some of these people would just maybe on the side, hey man, what's going on? And why did you do this? And you get explained to him. And then like we can grow up a little bit. Yeah, alright. But this whole stalker, you're dead, bro. Oh, okay. Like, you know how creepy that is? Like, what, not even creepy, just how sad and pathetic you are. Like, oh my god. But anyway, enough of the stalker talk, but that's just kind of uh, what, what I was dealing with this morning and what I've dealt with a few times. And that's another behind-the-scenes um, story. Like I said, I get, like, and I mean, I get it. When I've had a podcast, and I, I mean, I've had people send me messages, that, hey, I listen to your show, you're fucking brutal, and whatever, and your show sucks. And I mean, I've had that shit. And I mean, whatever. I mean, like, it comes with the territory, like you're putting your, it shouldn't. I mean, I, I have no, if, hey, if you don't like something, just turn it. I mean, I've listened to a million podcasts that weren't good and I just shut them off. I didn't feel the need to send them a message and let them know how bad I thought they were. Like, you know, whatever. But I guess these people felt the need to, as some do. Um, but you know, you put yourself out in, out in the public for consumption and for, to be judged, I suppose, then I guess, you have to be open to the criticism. And I have no problem with the criticism. Like, oh, you should do this more and you say this too much. Whatever. That, okay. I, constructive criticism I can handle. That's fine. I enjoy that because, yeah, if, if I'm doing something that's annoying or whatever, I, I'd like to be brought to my attention. So I will stop doing that. Um, you know, but, uh, it's just this outright, like I'm just attacking this person because I just don't like their content. I'm like, oh, okay. But I mean, I'm used, to, I've had that, not a lot, I will say, thankfully, not a lot, but it's like, yeah, but I can see, I think it was my brother I was talking to about this a while back, but it was like, yeah, like, I mean, he had some guys take some personal shit at him on Instagram, and he just commented on some Instagram post, it wasn't like he was, like, about a, about a hockey team, I can't remember, like, they were, when they were dressed all stupid, he's just like, what are you doing, and whatever, of course, all the little fanboys have to come out, and Oh yeah, and they and they started calling us kids' names, and she, it's like really like this is what it's come to. We're just uh, this anonymous online, but I'm gonna just threat. To, you know, it's just pathetic. But it was like, yeah, that. It's like and you know these people would never say shit if their mouth was full of it in public to you. If you were like face to face with these people, they wouldn't say anything to you. You know, but oh, behind a keyboard though, everyone's Tyson. You know, but it was like, yeah. What was my point? I don't know. I've been rambling here for half an hour, but, uh, no, it's just, um, I know on, on these shows and whatever, some, obviously like right now I go sideways and it's like, I start talking about shit like this and it's like, just get back to the hockey and stuff. I know, I know. But at the same time, I've, I also kind of, I will view, I view this podcast as sort of, um, not so much therapy because I don't need therapy, but, um, but it's kind of an it's it's an avenue for me to vent. 
It's why part of <laughs> part of these episodes, right? It's my show. I'm gonna I'm gonna vent. So I maybe suggest other people come out with podcasts so you could vent as well. It's kind of therapeutic at times. But um, yeah, guys. I hey, sorry. You know, fast forward then. But uh, I'm just kind of let I'm just talking here. Like I said, we're we're all friends here. We're just talking. You know, Saturday afternoon, sitting in my basement, windy and minus nine thousand outside. Oh, will the weather ever warm up? Ugh. Um. Anyway. Oh, when I was talking to uh. Oh, like I said, I won't say his name, but we were talking about Danbury. It was interesting. Um, and you see it all over the place. Of course, the big Danbury trashers, when that podcast or the Netflix documentary came out and everybody jumped on it and it was like the number one show on Netflix there for a while. And Danbury trasher mania has swept the nation again. Uh, you know, 17 years later, um, everybody's talking about it and you have a whole new generation of fan that's discovering the trashers for the first time. And, and it's the irony of it, and it's amusing to see, but at the same time, just kind of, kind of eye rolling. You could just see how people jump on things and sort of, I guess they watch the documentary and, I don't know, what's the, I guess they romanticize about it a little bit, or it doesn't seem real, or it's just like, it's a movie kind of thing and whatever. Um, I laugh at some of these people because they, they watch the documentary and, oh, that's crazy, man. Can you believe that happened at all? Oh, Winger's the best and AJ's awesome and that's awesome. That was so funny and blah, blah, blah. Awesome, awesome, awesome. But then you go and read these same people when a hockey game's on on Twitter. Oh, they're crying about this hit and they're calling Ryan Reeves a bully and, oh, and then Frederick the other night hitting the Minnesota guy. Oh, he should be in jail and it was predatorial and he could have played the puck, but he didn't. And they're crying to Ken Reed on Sportsnet. Though I laugh the one, oh, the, the one blue haired girl there tells Ken Reed, the Sportsnet anchor. Yeah, clearly you've never watched hockey before. <laughs> Oh, but oh, then you look, oh, Minnesota Wild fan. Oh, of course. Because, you know, can't have any objectivity when you're a fan, right? Like, oh, Frederick, oh, he kind of held up. Oh, yeah. Like I always say, well, you have to make your point using super slow motion. You don't have a point. You know, and oh, he's been running them all. He's been running them all night. So, isn't he Minnesota's best player? Isn't that sort of the point? Then why doesn't Minnesota start running Boston's best player then and get it straightened out? That's what you call policing the game for your... That's why I always say, oh, he's been running them all night. And and I don't understand what the problem is. Then run Marchant then. Or Bergeron or whatever. I... What... what I Like I said, I don't... What's the issue? Do I sound archaic saying this, I guess? Like... You know, I, I mean, I understand that's not the proper peewee mentality we need to have in sport now. That I'm getting to that next. But it's like, okay. So these same people that'll go online and cry about Frederick running, what's his name from Minnesota, or Ryan Reeves is a bully. Yeah, we got to use playground. We got to talk about professional hockey players like they're, you know, eight-year-olds on the playground. They're bullying. And Tom Wilson's mean. And all this horse shit. But yet they'll go on Netflix and all oh, the trashers. I'm ordering a shirt because that's savage. Oh, oh yeah. 
If you were, if the Danbury Trashers were around now doing what they did in 2005, like when the show was going on, you'd be crying. You'd be, you think you tweet NHL, uh, players, player safety now. Like that's the thing. These kids now that are talking about the Danbury Trashers or when they're online talking about Ryan Reeves is a goon or Troy Frederick or whatever is a goon. You, like I put on Facebook, you don't know shit from apple butter about what a goon is you don't know what one looks like you've never seen one you sure don't know what they act like if you think frederick for the bruins is a goon or who was the guy rolling around with austin jonathan or was it pierre dubois or whatever he's a goon there were people literally calling them goons you go and look at the profile picture. Oh, of course, it's some 19-year-old, 18-year-old, some Gen Zetter that's never seen a goon in his life. But yet the same dork that'll sit on his couch and, Bro, Wingfield's a savage, man. Oh, everything's savage when you're watching the documentary and it's all cuddly and warm and it's funny to watch and I can't believe that happened. Oh, sick, bro. Yeah. Until it actually happens. You have no understanding. Like I said, that documentary... And I didn't mind the documentary. It was cool. It was cool to see the trash... I, hey, I'm not knocking the trashers. This has nothing to do with them. I was great to see the documentary come out. I'm glad AJ's bringing it back out. And they're doing the jerseys. And maybe hopefully... Oh, hey. Hopefully someday some tra- J, AJ will put all his camcorder footage together and make a little fight something. That would be really cool. I mean, I'd love to see all the Wingfeld and Morasty fights. And Wagner attacking the bench and shit. I'd love to see all that. AJ's got the video. I'd love to see it. Hopefully he puts it out someday. But I'm loving the Danbury comeback. It's all cool. I dig it. Got no problem, obviously, with Winger. Winger was on my show. He was a great guest. Episode 3, I encourage anybody listening right now, go back and listen to that episode. We were doing this shit two years before the documentary came out. Believe me, we talk about all that, too. Crazy stories. But Brad Wingfield is your is your Gen Z nightmare fuel. If he was playing now, you would be crying nightly about him. If you if you if you were a fan of whoever, like if the Danbury Trashers came in and played, fuck it, I don't even know who the team yeah, Huntsville now. Every Huntsville fan, Gen Z fan, would be crying and writing tweets to the player safety about the Danbury Trashers and how mean they are. But oh, but in the documentary, oh, everyone thinks it's hilarious and it's funny and oh, that was savage and everything else. And oh, I love it. Really? Do you? Or are you in love with the story of it? Like, this isn't fucking Harry Potter. You should go ask the teams that played Danbury back then if they loved it. If they loved Wagner attacking the bench or by, or when one guy got suspended, by Lois got brought in. And was fucking jumping people. and st- You want to talk about, air quotes, bullying people? Oh, yeah. Like McIsaac and Hickey and Stephen Pete got brought in. And Morasty. Roman Ender. Like, these guys were the essential bullies. That's, all, that's how they won. That's how they were successful. They had good players, but they bullied teams. For lack of a better word. And not that I have a problem with it. Clearly, they won. So, I mean, yeah. But these other teams, you go back and look at their rosters, they maybe had one or two tough guys. They certainly couldn't stand up to the seven that Danbury had. So yeah, you go ask the other players that were getting punched in the face and scrums and everything else and challenged to fight every shift, how cool the Danbury Trashers were. 
again, this isn't an indictment to Danbury. I'm completely on board with it. And if I, uh, that would be my dream to be AJ. I would have done the exact same thing that he did. Loaded the team up. That's exactly what I would have done too. So this isn't an indictment on Danbury at all. It's, it's on the fans that all think this documentary was so great and they go on and on and how much they love it. But in the next, then after done, they're watching that, they go and tune into the, the, Fucking, uh, well, with, I guess he's on the Rangers now, or New York Ranger game, and cry that Ryan Reeves is a bully and he's slapping their best players around and he's mean and he can't even skate. I don't even know why he's in the league. You know, he's not good at the game of hockey. And you go on and on with your peewee mentality, but somehow the Danbury Trasher documentary was savage, bro. Yeah. I wish hockey was still like this. I love that one. Oh, yeah. I mean, I do. I'd still be watching it if it was. But it is so far 180 from that to this pond hockey bullshit you have now. And I know people, some of you listening, yeah, but Darren, fighting's up. Oh, yeah, fight. What, up from nothing to next to nothing? You know? Where's it going to, it had nowhere to go but up. If it went any less, there wouldn't be any. You know? Now, the East Coast League's seen a nice little bump there with a couple guys, but really, how many of them are really fighting? Let's not talk like all of a sudden teams are loaded five deep. Like maybe one or two guys and, you know, they'll have a couple fights until they get close to the 10 fight limit. Then that'll be the end of that. And then it'll be fucking pond hockey bullshit until for the last month and a half of the year. Let's be honest, you know. But hey, I'm not knocking the kids. You know, how and those guys, Blatchman, all those guys are out doing it. Newbauer, I dig it, man. Clots and stuff. I'm not knocking the kids, but it's like, come on, you know, really? But yet, you'll watch the Danbury. I love these people. Yeah, they'll watch the documentary. Oh, I wish it was still like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, unless it's against your team. Then, oh, shit, then it's the end of the world. And we're going to cry on social media for 20 minutes. I saw one guy the other night about Reeves. Literally, I, I just, for curious, I went and looked at his profile. Seven tweets in two and a half minutes. All of them crying about why Ryan Reeves is in hockey. I don't even know what Reeves did. Did he even do anything? I I don't know. Threw a hit, I guess. I don't know why he's out here. He's just running around trying to hurt people. Oh, sure. Yeah, he's just running around trying to hurt people. Yeah. But Winger is cool, man. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, what we're talking... Hey, can can we not, do, do we have to have, is that the other thing now? Do we have to have player tributes for every guy that ever got traded ever? What tribute happened the other night? Would the guy play there for two seasons or something and they're doing some video tribute to him? Really? Why? Like, oh God. Like even PJ Stock brought that up. Do we really need, you know, come on. But. One of the things that got brought up, and I mean, I've talked about this before on this show and whatever and stuff, but Jackie Redman, the the girl there on um, Sportsnet. Um, yeah, PSA, I do not want to see players yucking it up with former teams. Please save the pleasantries for the group chat. Yo, Revo, tonight, remember, you're a ranger now. Am I alone or do you all agree? Jamie Rivers, former guest of the show, tremendous guest of the show. Amen. I played on a lot of teams, but always kept the pleasantries and last for the beers after the game and never on the ice. Your former teammates respect your best effort and more than asking how the kids are. Okay. Well, I'm, 
I completely agree, but just reading the comments, um, yeah, so Tampa shouldn't have had a moment for Blake Coleman, question mark, who the fuck is Blake Coleman, there are people who are friends before they became pros and will be after, of course the guy's like, that's not even close to what she said, pay attention to what she actually said, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is a business and one of the lowest salary cap for men's sports. Changing teams is both natural and necessary, but ending friendships is not. Again, you fucking idiots. Who said ending friendships? I was like, lowest salary cap? Yeah, because like millions of dollars. Like, two million is just not enough. Yeah. Well, she must be a blast at parties. Like, oh my god. Oh, actually, this tool follows me. Oh, all right. Oh, yeah, disagree. While they're professionals and doing their job, always room for moments of levity. They're humans, not service dogs. Uh, rival business people often have these interactions with peers. Oh, yeah, because rival business people will throw a fucking elbow to you when you're at the water cooler. You fucking dunce. Oh, yeah, armchair scout. Yeah, well, that's a perfect name for you, armchair scout. Yeah. Ex- what did I say before about knowing shit from apple butter? There you go. Oh, yeah, it'd be it'd be annoyed. I I'd be annoyed if it was an interdivisional rival, but against the team in the other conference that we own, that we oh, I didn't realize he played on the team that we only play twice a year. It's not a big deal. Again, missing the point, dipshit. Ugh. What a terrible take. Oh yeah. Terrible. They're just regular people. I like that they are friends and that, that even being treated, they're still friends. I think it's a great lesson about being professional. That this isn't all about the game and there are things worth more than just competition. Okay. You fucking dunce. That's the very opposite of being professional, you bozo. You're getting paid millions of dollars to win a game. That is their profession. That is their job. It's not to make friends and go easy. That's all this horse shit is, this mentality now. Ugh. Oh, and this, oh, it's about a paycheck. You actually think most of these players give a shit about the outcome of a game? See, now, idiot, now this idiot, I can tell you that you've never played a competitive sport and you've never been a competitive athlete that's played at an elite level. If you know, have you ever been around an elite level competitor, athlete? First of all, to reach that level, you have to be obviously competitive. This isn't peewee. This isn't grade eight winter car, winter carnival, which is, I'm sure this is all you're, all, that's all you're familiar with is the, is the indoor or the outdoor, uh, high low meets at your elementary school back in the day. That's the only thing that you're familiar with. Elite level athletes are the most competitive individuals you'll ever meet. I mean, they'll play checkers for blood. That's the way they're programmed. That's how they succeed to get to that level, to be ultra competitive. Now, that doesn't mean that they're robots and they can't be friendly. No one's saying you can ever talk to them. If they're not on my team, I'll never talk to them again. That's not what she said. That's not what I'm saying. But during the game, I'm not your friend. And I don't think we need to bro hug and everything during warm ups. 
Why? No, being professional would be called maintaining game face and know what you're there for and what you're getting paid a million dollars to do to win the fucking game. And if I got to go through you to do it, I'm going through you to do it. We'll hang out after. This is why men are scared to show relationships with other men. It's all this man up and play the game. Yeah, it is man up and play the game because they're getting paid millions of dollars to do it. Again, dumb shit. Or we could normalize friendships and great sportsmanship. Yes, because we're all about sportsmanship at the pro level. Where, this, here, right here is, I'm not, I'm going to stop reading the comment sections now. Because, but these are the comment sections on Twitter. This is the idiocy of the fan, of today's fan. Not again, I'm not general, everyone. But this is the mindset of professional sports nowadays. It's about sportsmanship and friendships. And this is why men are afraid to show their feelings. What are you talking about? I love these fucking armchair psychologists. And oh, and we're going to compare it to other businesses. Yeah. Cause I know when I'm, when I'm cruising around the, the yards there at work, if, uh, you know, if I catch you with your head down, yeah, yeah, it's completely the same. Uh, because I guess it's cause people have, have played hockey like at a fun level, like out with their friends in the rink and they kind of equate that to that's what the Rangers and the Islanders should be like. But at the same time, I've noticed when you're watching the game and your team loses, it's because they weren't serious enough or they did or this or they were slacking or whatever. Well, which is it? Should they lighten up and just it's friendship and about sportsmanship or is it about winning a fucking game that you're getting paid to do? I love that you keep using that for it's just a game, bro. Yeah, it is right up until you're getting paid for it. Then it becomes different. Then now it becomes a job. And I mean, I know the oh, the number one thing is you have to have fun. Well, you know what's fun? Winning is fun. That's the that's the actually the most fun you can have is winning. Hate to break that to everybody, but what are we? Again, I'm not saying we have to take the mentality into over to the and tell the Pee Wee kids. Yeah, I know you go to school with Dexter there, but hey, if he's got his head, put him through the boards because we need to win this one because we need that ribbon at the end of uh, today's tournament. No one's saying that, but it's interesting. I'd, it'd be interesting to go back in society. When did uh, w- like when did wanting to win and being competitive become a bad thing? I, li- I it seems now that if if you're competitive and you'd want to win, that's somehow bad. Not, again, for most people, it's not. People, most people are, are logical and understand the meaning. Even if it's young kids, when you're playing, when you're playing a sport, you want to win. Do you not? Like every time I took the field in from baseball, from when I was five years old up until I was when did I stop playing? When I was thirty. It was to win. I didn't go out there to not win. Now, when I'm playing rec league, yeah, you want to win. But if we didn't, it wasn't like we all like threw a tantrum and didn't talk to our teammates and stormed off. Although some guys did, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, recognize that as beer league, and you know, come on now, we we all got to work tomorrow. Let's relax. We don't need to do takeout slides at second base. But at the same time, if a guy, the, yeah, you, I don't care if you're playing the game, like. 
you should, yeah, you should sort of make him make the second baseman make the throw and, you know, going a little hard into the base, you know, you should slide or whatever. Like we are playing a competitive sport here and let we, you know, that's the way you play the game. I don't think you need to go cleats high in a rec game, but at the same time you should be sliding. Yeah. Like I said, this isn't bullshit. Like, you know, same with beer league. I mean, if we're going to go into the corner, yeah, let's dig for the puck and everything. But I don't, you know, I don't think we need to go in there fucking and board people and elbows up. But I mean, you know, a little push and shoving on a battle for the puck is, isn't that the, the point of sport is competitive, is to be competitive, is it not? You know, it's knowing when to put your foot on the gas and when to take it off, which some people have a problem with. But when you start getting paid to perform, it's a whole different set of rules and mindset that comes into that. Or when you're like major junior, junior A, elite level hockey, when you become, when you start playing an elite level, let alone getting paid for it. Yeah. It's fucking nut cutting time now. And we're here to win and we're going to do any way necessary to win because that's the end goal. And some of these, obviously some of these new agers, Gen Zers can't handle that because they've never had to be, they've never done anything competitive like that. And this isn't all funsy onesie. And we're just playing a game, bro. It's for fun. Sportsmanship. You know, as men, we should be able to hug. How ridiculous this sound. Again, uh, so I was, that's when I say, like, why do we ever, everything has to have this peewee mentality wrapped around it now. And a lot of these people are putting peewee mentality into elite level sports. And it's ridiculous. And what the sad thing is, is a lot of these players are buying into this bullshit too. But it's a changing of the guard. It's a generation, right? This generation coming. I guess they were just more sensitive than I was. Our generation was. The code, man. The code, bro. Ugh. Embarrassing. Anyway. Rant and rave. I'm kind of, I'm in one of those fucking, I'm in one of those moods, guys. I'm sorry. Like I said, all these, I need to do, I need to do a couple interviews here. Because I'm, I'm, uh, too sullen. Getting wound up too much. Well, I was going to say, though, the last, last few episodes, I think I've, I've kind of been a little lighter, you know. But, uh. No, this morning that whole Facebook thing fucking got me going and yeah, kind of put me in that headspace where I'm a little, and then I went out and got subs today and I was a little, I had a little, I didn't have a run in, but I was a little irritated from that too. So yeah, my, my day got off to a kind of a gross start. So I think it's, it's bled over to the, to the show here and uh, yeah, I'm sure I got lots of eye rolls going on, but such as it is. We'll get better here. It's the it's the minus 40. Folks, I'm telling you, it's the working in the minus. Like I worked, it was minus 52 the other morning when I was out there. So the weather, I, I it's true. It was, it's funny. I'll get into the Senators thing in a second, but it, it was funny. Um, growing up, because when you're young, you don't give a shit, right? And I, I was fortunate enough when I grew up, the the school was like two houses away. Like you could hear it, like you could slide bed all day until you, or in the all morning until you heard the bell. You could literally run and go through the side door and I'd be in the classroom like before half the kids coming in from the playground were, um, you know, and the rink was right there. And the Yeah, so I mean, we lived in the perfect spot and whatever. 
and you didn't give a shit when it was cold and snowed, right? You just play in the snow. You'd go out to the rink minus thirty because it was minus forty and shit. You know, you still out there playing shinny at recesses. You didn't give a shit. Kids were kids; they didn't care, right? Uh, I mean, I we had indoor recess, but it didn't seem like it was that often. I don't know. Like I said, my memories are fading, obviously, and actually, I don't have really much of a memory that much anymore. But it was, um, yeah. Anyway, point is. You'd always like, you know, the parents or whatever, the, they'd always complain about the weather or whatever. And I, and it's like, I, and, and I've all, and I always heard like growing up, like all oh, people's moods are with the weather and all that. And I never kind of, I was just like, oh yeah, okay, whatever. I never thought much about it until I started working outside. I had an office job. It was one thing, but when I started working outside, yeah, the weather completely affects my mood not that i walk when it's minus 52 i'm an asshole to everybody i think i yell and rant and rave on this show and everything else and whatever but i would think most people that know me personally would probably not say i'm an asshole um like the people i work with will, would not say i'm an asshole i actually think i'm kind of you know kind of fun to be around which sounds funny when i'm doing this podcast like this but uh no, I'm not a fucking confrontational yeller. I'm a pretty quiet dude, actually, for the most part. Um, but the weather really does affect my moods. You know? Like, you just... Not that I dread going out or whatever, but it's just... It's like, oh, you just... You kind of get just get draggy and kind of down, right? You go in the dark. You go to work in the dark. You're kind of coming home in the dark. And it's just kind of, eh... You know, you're just sort of... Blech. That's what it is. You're just sort of blah when it's like this. And I, I know, and I've noticed when the spring to the fall, I'm not like that. I don't have these, well, unless it's like really pouring rain for days and days and it's like windy and shit. Okay. But you know what I'm saying? For the most part, for like really nine months, 10 months of the year, I'm not really affected all that much. Normally I could, November, December is okay. I like, cause December I like Christmas. So I'm all in the Christmas mood. So I'm not really noticing it, but January, January and February are like my two worst months. That's when the, my, it really gets to me. I've noticed. And as I've gotten older, I've noticed that. So I always say when I retire, I'm like totally going down South for the winter. Like I will be happy. I'd be happy if I never saw snow again in my life. I am fine with never seeing snow again. Yeah. So definitely. That's the, that's the end goal to retire and be able to go, you know, wherever to Arizona or Nevada or whatever for the winter, just tootle around down south for three, two or three months and just get out of this bullshit. Just so tired of it. And I mean, we've had just brutal weather and a bunch of snow and it's only early January. It's like, oh my God. Like I already have a snow drift, like where I've been throwing snow. Like it's already like six feet on my drive, like on my lawn. It's like, oh. But anyway, yeah, you tuned in to hear me cry about the weather as well. <laughs> Sorry, folks, I'm just, I'm all over the place here. But let's get into this list. This list was sent to me. It was from Send Shot, I believe it's called. And it's the uh, Top 10 Ottawa Center Tough Guys. All right. Top 10 Tuesdays will be weekly posts in the offseason celebrating the good and perhaps remembering the not so good of the past 18 years of the Senators. Oh, so this was like 10 years ago, this whole whole deal. Okay. But anyway, first up, the top 10 tough guys to wear Senators jerseys. All right, here we go. We'll scroll in. And like I always say with these lists, um, I don't ever look at them before we open them up here because I want, much like you guys, the reaction to be uh, um, genuine. All 
All right, number 10, Troy Millette. In parts of three seasons with the Senators, Millette racked up 372 minutes and 169 games. He had 26 fights. You know, there, yeah, Troy Millette. I was, for some reason, I don't, I guess I'm indifferent on Troy Millette. Um, my, kind of my first, I think my first introduction, now that I'm thinking about it, my first introduction to Millette, um, I believe was in one of the Bad Boys books and they interviewed him and he was crying about fighting. He like, he didn't want fighting in hockey. And I remember thinking that you wouldn't be in hockey. Like, it was just sort of, it was odd for him to say, like, I don't know how good he thought he was, but I don't know, was Troy Millette. I mean, I'm not knocking him as a player or anything, but I'm like, you know, if there was no fighting, would Troy Millette have really been in the NHL? Um, I never thought much of Millette as a fighter. Um, not like good or bad. I just sort of, he's just one of those guys I'm just indifferent on. I've never, I've never gone down the Troy Millette rabbit hole. I'm not quite sure. I know he had, um, he had a bit with the Senators. I think he had a bit of a rival with Brad May. I know that. I think May caught him. May buckled him in the one fight, I believe. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess a swing and a miss here off the, right out of the gate. I, you know, Millette, yeah, I mean, tough enough guy. I know he's a real, uh, you know, physical body check guy. Um, I mean, I've seen some of his fights, but I mean, there's nothing in my head that's like, um, I will say, no, I, I take that back. The one fight that I could truly remember Millette was when he knocked out Murray Barron when Millette was with the Bruins and he gave him, instead of a punch, it was like a forearm shiver. It was behind the net. They came together and he, and Barron was out cold. And Millette just drilled him. It was like a forearm shot. And, uh, like it was a punch attempt. Like, I don't think he was purposely trying to forearm him, but it was just the way it, it came in. And they kind of came together at that moment behind the net when the gloves are off. And yeah, and it was, it, that was, that was a big one puncher, one hitter quitter, as they say. That's the one Millette fight that I could remember. Um, yeah. But there you go. Number 10, Troy Millette. Number nine. Denny Lambert, there you go. Wawa Ontario native was the only senator, was only a senator for two seasons, but he had made the most of 152 games, 460 minutes, 30, 43 fights, including two in the playoffs. Dan's card. Um, yeah, I mean, wasn't a big, wasn't a real big dude or a big heavyweight or anything, but yeah, uh, would go everybody, played in the IHL for a bunch of years. Um, yeah, Denny Lambert, OHL guy. Again, another guy, um, I'm really swinging and missing here, but uh, I mean, again, I, I've seen some of his fights. Um, <clears throat> I don't know what really stands out to me in Denny Lambert. Um, yeah, there's nothing that really that's really stands out for me fight wise with Lambert. But I mean, I can remember watching, the, see, like I said, seeing the clips, and uh, you know, um, I have nothing for or against him. It was, um, yeah, but definitely, I I mean, in terms of centers, as I'm thinking, I. Like if I was if I was making this list, I I probably have them right here nine or ten. If I'm, I'm again, this is like I knew I was doing a center thing, but I didn't like research this. Like again, I opened the list up and I'm just discovering it with you guys. But um, so I didn't go back and normally I would have investigated this fight card that could give you some better answers. But um, yeah, nothing like really Lambert really standing out. Um, I know we had a couple fights with uh, Audgers and uh, Reichel. I remember those. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, there you go, Denny Lambert. But I would, I, I probably would have had him on the list as well, though. I would have researched it a little bit. But I mean, I know Lambert played a bunch of seasons with the Senators and fought a bunch. I know that. That's why I would have. I know he's a tough enough guy, so I would have had him on the list as well. But uh, yeah, I get it. All right, <clears throat> number eight. Wow. Okay, Ray Emery. Well, 
the only goalie to make the well, the only goalie to make the list. Yeah, like we're gonna have a bunch of goalies on the top fighter list of a team. Uh because the skate rate will rank much higher due to lack of opportunity comes in at eight. Many players have had two fights in one game, but rarely have with uh, two fights in one stoppage. Of course, the famous game against the Bruins when he fought uh, Biron and then uh, Andrew Peters. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, when did he, was he a member of the Senders when he went after Holtby too? I can't remember, but, uh, yeah, from actually from when you talk to a bunch of people, I guess Emery was kind of like a bot, like a train, was he a train boxer or he was into it? Like he liked to fight and stuff. Like he was a tough dude. I know him and McGratton went at it in Senators, uh, practice one day. I think they got to push and shove and popped each other a couple times. And, and I've heard from a diff, couple of different players that Emery actually was sort of like legit tough, like even off the ice, got into a few and whatever. Now, if we're being all, like, I, I mean, I get the humor factor that you're going to put him in here and where it's all, yeah, I mean, we're just fight fast talk. It's all jokes anyway, but I get it. But I mean, sir, if we're making a list, we're not, who's putting goalies on lists? I mean, clearly, obviously he didn't fight enough to make the list, but, uh, I get it. But the whole beer on Peters thing and one stoppage, that was pretty wild. I'd never seen that before. Yeah. So, okay. Number seven, Matt Karkner. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Two seasons with the Senators, uh, the former second round pick of the Mon- was he? I didn't realize he was a second round pick of Montreal. Huh? Had thirty six fights, including an ongoing rivalry with Colt Moore, whom he fought six times. Uh, Brashear, Bolton, Peters, yeah, Scott Thornton. Uh, this is uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, him and Orr had the rivalry, and we dropped Orr, got dropped, and I mean, I Matt Carter played a long time in the minors. It was really cool to see him get some NHL time. Um, I didn't realize he was a second round pick with Montreal, though. Um, yeah, I dig Matt Cartner. Uh, again, if we want to talk about Matt Cartner, uh, Joel Lazito, um, did a, did a, a two-parter with him. That was a real fun interview. Um, that's why I should have remembered. I mean, obviously they talked about it. I should have remembered, but you listen to so much shit, you forget. But, um, they obviously talk about being drafted by Montreal and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Cartner is cool, man. Big dude. Badass. Like I said, played the minors for a long time. His fight card is tremendous. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of Matt Karkner. Number six, uh, Denny Vial. There you go. Vial played four seasons in Ottawa. In that time, he fought 49 times, including 30 in the 95-96 season. 176, that's 176 games. He had 49 tills. There you go. With uh, um, Vial fought many of the league's top heavyweights, Ray Simon, McSorley, Matakit. One memorable night occurred December 13th, 85, against the in 1985, I think he meant uh, 95, against the Kings when Vial fought three times one evening, fighting McSorley, Talkett, McSorley again. Yeah, man, I'm down with Dennis Vial. Vial was awesome. He'd come out of the rigging and away we go and uh, fought everybody wide open. I mean, he's one of those guys, I don't give a shit what team you cheer for or whatever. Um, yeah, I always say he's one of those guys, if you're a fight fan, I think you sort of have to be a Dennis Vial fan. I think that's sort of, you know, um, by default. It's like, like last week when I was talking with Jeff Audgers with the San Jose list. I mean, if you're a fight fan and you don't like Jeff Audgers, like, you know, maybe go sit down and think about a few things. Uh, you know, maybe evaluate a few things. But, uh, you know, Vial is awesome, man, and did it for a long time, bounced around the minors for a, for a long time. Did it in the minors, too. Like, he wasn't one of these guys, oh, I'm an NHL guy, and then I'm down in the minors. I'm going to, you know, cruise for a check. I mean, he fought everybody down there, and, uh, yeah, I'm a huge Dennis Vial fan. He's awesome. Uh Everybody listen, guys, seriously guys, go do yourselves a favor and just YouTube it and Dennis Vial, I'm not saying, oh, he went undefeated and he would, I mean, he, he, you know, he, he did give as good as he'd get and, 
win some, lose some, but wide open and uh, yeah, be all cool as shit, man. Number five, oh, Zdeno Chara. Oh, come, all right. Big Z was a man amongst boys, and, and before he developed into a Norris Trophy, he was a he was a pugilist who didn't fight off, but made up for it dominance. You know, you're watching different videos than I am. Um, his dance partner, OJ Kordachuk, Simon Worrell, multiple times. Sens fans will most likely remember this fight with Brian McCabe. Well, it wasn't a fight. He just swung McCabe around. Again, I mean, anybody, a long-time listener to this show, know how I feel about Chara. Again, great talent, Hall of Fame player. Can't fight for shit. What is this bullshit that Chara is, again, the some elite heavyweight fighter? Oh, he was a pugilist. I challenge anybody right now. Go look up the fights with Simon and Worrell and even Ons. Go look those up. Frank Lassard, that was another one of his Ottawa fights. Watch every... Karen's, there's another one. Every time he fights a heavyweight fighter, watch how... He'll attempt a couple times. He was attempting punches, like with Lassard always throwing right hands and whatever, like grazing shots or nothing great. Watch when Lassard hits him. With the very first punch, and Chara, oh, he falls backwards and drags Lassard down with him. When he fights Worrell, he grabs Worrell. Same thing with Simon. Grab. He'll throw a few punches. Next thing you know, Simon starts on offense. Oh, he clutches Simon and, like, hip tosses him down, and down they go. Same with Worrell. The moment anyone's, I think Parker actually TKO'd him, I think. When they actually, anybody he's, any heavyweight that starts, he starts, same thing with Karen's. Gets the quick jump on Karen's and either punching away. The moment Karen starts offense, Chara, air quotes, slips every time. Now, if you're, oh, you just don't like Z. No. Don't, them's the facts. I could, I'm indifferent to Chara. I could care less. But this, again, this idea that he's some great fighter is eye rolling. Like I said, the proof is all on YouTube. Like I said, the one episode I don't know it was a hundred back probably when like I was when they were going on about OV and Chara's these big fighters. I went and did, went through Chara's entire fight card and broke. I went on YouTube one night. I spent like two hours on it. I made notes on every fight that he had against the heavyweight fighter, and every time, the moment they start offense, he falls or he drags them down. Every time. That's not, an exa- that's not me. I hate exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating. It's literally every time. The only fight that I ever saw him stand in the pocket in exchange with was with Evenons and who had a broken nose at the time. Which I'm sure Chara knew. And actually that says more about Evenons to stand there and not flinch. Well, with a broken nose. But no, Chara is... I'm not going to say he's an awful fighter. He's not an awful fighter, but he, it's a smoke and mirrors. And everybody's just because he's so big. Even when you watch, it's funny, even when you, that's another topic I'd like to talk about. How announcers influence fights. It's funny because they completely do. And, and you, even when I was going, like I really noticed it when I was doing the whole research thing because I'm listening to clip after clip after clip. And it's like every time these, oh, this guy better watch it. Big Z, six foot nine. And oh, the big man, you gotta watch his re, they pump up Char the whole time. Never mind. They don't say anything about his loopy punches or his slipping. No, it's all, oh, the big man, you gotta watch it. And if he's angry, blah, 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 you know, and it just seeps into the listeners. I know it. Cause it's like, again, on these messages, I see this shit all the time about how badass Char is. Oh God, give me a break.
Anyway, I've been really ranty today. Number four, Peluso. Now, see, as I'm reading this list, somebody's going to be, oh, Charles better than Peluso. No, he's not. No, he's not. I can guarantee they ever fought. I mean, he either yanked Peluso off his feet because Peluso's balance was a shit, or the moment Peluso started throwing them big lefts, Char would be bailing, I can tell you. Yeah, in his first first year of the franchise, there wasn't much to cheer about on the ice. However, one player got the fans out of their seats more than anybody. Peluso played one year at the Senders, 318 minutes and 24 fights. It's interesting. I didn't realize Peluso only played one season there. Huh. Yeah, I, I, hey, I know some people knock Peluso. And, oh, did he ever win? And, you know, whatever. But, I mean, big guy, threw big lefts. I, I dig Peluso. Now, I mean, yeah, he probably, whatever, lost more than he won. What? But he'd always, his fight card is awesome. He would just give her shit. He was wide open fighter. I mean, I dig Peluso. Um, came a long way from Chicago. Um, actually a real good fight he had in Ottawa was against, uh, Mark Jansen's. It's on my YouTube channel. Check it out. Toe to toe battle. That's a good one. Actually kind of buckles Jansen's on that one. Um, I think he really came into his own in Ottawa. He played a lot. Like I said, that was the first year they were really shitty, but he was around and, uh, you know, 24 tilts and, uh, you know, and then went on to New Jersey, won a couple cups, got a lot better at fighting, um, like with his balance. He was always wide open. He'd always throw, like he'd attempt to throw in Chicago. It wasn't like he was some hugger or anything. He would always try, but it was, you know, I always looked like he was on roller skates or something, or, you know, standing on marbles. But I mean, um, I don't know. I, I, I dig Peluso. What can I say? I guess I'm guilty of digging Peluso, but again, I'm not saying he's some world beater, but I mean, you know, whatever. Shit, I, w- I wish there was more Mike Palusas in hockey now. Be something, actually, be something to watch. Number three, Andre Watt. Yeah, it's, I'm a huge Andre Watt guy. Uh, took over the Force of Duties from Vial, proceeded to fight 40 times for the Senators in two and a half years. Um, when loss record wasn't great, he was uh, he was rarely soundly defeated. Ah, fought Buckberg Perry, a memorable brawl filled game in 01 against LA. Um, yeah, I'm down with Andre Watt. Been a, I was a fan of Andre Watt back. Uh, you know, you watch his Quebec Junior stuff, and then when he was at the AHL in Providence and shit, Fort Wayne, hair trigger temper, um, snap show, big guy though. But again, wide open, win some, lose some. Um, yeah, I don't know what else is there to say. I mean, had a pretty good career, won a cup there in Tampa. Um, yeah, I dig, pff, I, I, I dig Andre Wall. He's cool as shit with me. And, uh, you know, and actually, and Alec, uh, was lucky enough to, uh, in Florida, uh, hung out with him at the bar and they bullshitted for a few hours and, uh, had, had Wall on the show. And, uh, yeah, he said, it was cool as shit, man. I dig Andre Wall. He's awesome. Number two, Brian McGratton. Yeah, aside from Char, might be the, oh, besides Char, might be the most feared man. Who the fuck is, what fighter scared of Char? Come on, you guys. Uh, most feared man on the list, didn't care who he fought, was willing to take a shot to give a shot. Uh, doesn't make him Chara. Uh, massed 200, 287 minutes of 143 games, 37 fights. Um, he even did the impossible and made tight only bleed. That's true. Um, yeah, came into his own in, in, uh, in Ottawa. That's where he started. Um, set the American League hockey penalty minute record. Was it like 552? He always says that was the reason he got brought up. Um, yeah, him and Chris Neal were an awesome one-two punch. Um, I'm assuming Neal's number one. I've got a screw because I got videos and shit in between, so I'm assuming I haven't seen it, but I'm assuming Neal's like, why wouldn't he be? Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, and, and unfortunately he was having his, uh, uh, McGrath was having his issues with the alcoholism and stuff. And, but he went, you know, he played all the time and, and, and had some great fights and, uh, um, 
had some really good battles with Andrew Peters. I think they fought like six or seven times. Um, yeah, uh, Goddard or, of course, I'm, I, as I'm saying, they might be running together. He might have been with Calgary at that time. It sort of all comes together. But yeah, I've always been a massive Brian McGratton fan. Um, kind of, he was kind of the last of the Mohicans, right? I mean, he was sort of the last true, um, I mean, you could say Reeves and stuff, but McGratton was sort of that last final bridge from the one era to the next. Eh, Reeves is a little bit, but McGratton just being that little bit older, he was still kind of, you know, that late 90s OHL into the early 2000s, setting the penalty minute record. Like when all those guys in the AHL were still around, he was fighting the Bonvies and the Sugdens and the Segroys, you know, and then he gets up to the NHL and, the, you know, the LaRocks and the Brashears and all them were still there, the Domies. So he was all, he was right in that mix, right on that cusp. And then he kind of into the newer era, you know, with, um, you know, with the Reeves and that type of thing. So, um, he was sort of that bridge. That last kind of tweener and, uh, yeah, McGrath's solid, man. I dig, I dig big earn. Yeah. Number one, Chris Neal. Yeah. Uh, might not be the most dominant fighter on the list, but showed up every time. Uh, Neal had dropped 124 times over his nine seasons in Ottawa. Mm, I don't know where they're getting their numbers for. He had, Neal had to have had more than 124 fights. I would think Neal had 200 some fights. Of course, this is also, he's probably still playing when this list was made. Um, yeah, his, his dance card is too long to list, but safe to say the forces around the league that he hasn't fought are few and far between. I agree. Yeah, uh, Neil fought everybody. I mean, I remember on the old message boards, Neil catches some fucking shit every once in a while. And I don't know. I, I've always wanted to know. I, I don't know if him and McGratton actually really got along. I think McGratton at one time sort of insinuated that Neil would duck guys and kind of like he'd have to go fight him. I might have read that, read that wrong, but I think that was kind of the gist, I think, back then. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, Neil, Neil had a little bit of shit disturber in him too. I mean, you know, sometimes he wouldn't always fight or whatever, but I mean, for the longest time, remember those Ottawa Toronto playoff series? And it was like, Neil was like the lone soldier in Ottawa and he's got like Domi and Tucker and Gary Roberts and all these got Corson and all, all these guys running them. And I mean, you know, there's only so much one guy can do, but, uh, I mean, I was a big Neil fan. Actually, I remember getting the Grand Rapids Griffin tape when he was there and he was like, he had 300 minutes. He had like awesome fights with like LaPuma and Engelstad. And like, who is this guy? Like I, I was down with Chris Neal. Um, big hitter. Like I said, played a thousand games. I mean, all of, that's an actually amazing thousand games with one team too. And, um, yeah, uh, he would, if I was, this is my list, I, I'd have Chris Neal as number one as well. I mean, I like Chris Neal, but I mean, I would, just for the longevity and the number of fights he put up. And I think a lot better fighter than people give him credit for too. I mean, you know, I mean, he wasn't a heavyweight champ or anything, but I mean, um, again, um, I guess maybe if you're a Leaf fan, it's, oh, I hate that guy. But I mean, I think you have to, even if you're a Leaf fan, at least an objection, uh, you know, uh, one with some objectivity, uh, I think everyone could admit that Chris Neal was legit for sure. And, uh, there you go. There's the top 10 Ottawa. That's a good list, actually. That's, you know, pretty solid. I don't know about Amory and them, but I mean, overall, compared, like I always say, compared to some of the lists we've done, um, uh, pretty solid. I'm just trying to think, um, uh, yeah, Ottawa. Well, you had Lassard, Francis Lassard, Knighty, uh, Bill Heward. I would have Bill Heward. Again, like you get rid of the Emory thing, and I would have got rid of Chara, too, actually. Um, 
Phil Crow, yeah. I remember Phil Crow just because I was looking at a picture of Phil Crow. I don't think he, I don't even know if he played in Ottawa. How long did he play in Ottawa for? Couldn't have been very long. Um, Chris Murray, I was a massive Chris Murray fan. He didn't play there for very long. Matt Cassian. Uh, there's always the famous Rob Ray playing. Well, how many games did he play in Ottawa? That was so bad that he played in Ottawa. Um, just did not, Ray in an Ottawa Senders jersey did not look right. Um, Kanopka. Kanopka and Karkner and them, and who was the third guy on that line? But that line played really well in the playoffs one year. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, guys. Well, there you go. Um, you know, I, I would have definitely had Lassard on there. I don't know what Lassard played in Ottawa for a year. Um, yeah. Well, there, there is a, well, Jesus, I'm just an hour and 20 minutes and I talked about, you know, I think I just sort of ranted and bitched for about an hour of that. Um, I apologize. Like I said, I was sort of in a mood when I hit record and, uh, yeah, I, I get, it definitely bled over. I, I mean, uh, it definitely bled over into the, uh, my mood definitely bled over into the episode here. And, uh, you know, um, on one hand, I'm sorry. On the other hand, I'm not, I mean, like I said, sometimes, uh, this, this episode or these episodes could sometimes, uh, or the podcast could sometimes become a, almost a therapy session or a, you know, just a, you know, and the airing of grievances, it's a Festivus uh, podcast, but, uh, no guys, I will, I will get some interviews out here for you. I know you guys are getting tired of listening to me, so, uh, I will definitely do that. And I'm tired of listening to myself to be completely honest, but, um, I will have some interviews coming up for you. Like I said, I'm just booking guests and getting time. So we'll do her, but, uh, yeah, let's get out of here. Like I said, it's almost five o'clock now. I got to go get, start, let's get some supper going here. I'm hungry. So, uh, I hope everybody has a good work week and I will talk to everybody on Wednesday. Thanks guys. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?